Today we're in part four of our sermon series, No Offense. We've got one more week after uh, today. And just an observation that I've made, and you've probably made the similar observation, but does it seem to anybody else that the world just seems kind of angry? Um, and, and maybe not kind of angry, like the world just seems angry all the time. Like we're all about to snap or lose it. Like, you know, it's not just we, that we think of those people that are angry, but, but if we're honest with ourselves, like we're all just like, like on the verge of just like somebody cuts you off in traffic and you just start going off and it's like, where'd that come from? Or, or somebody posts something on Facebook and, and I'll just tell you, it costs nothing to keep scrolling. All right. And, and that's really probably what most of us ought to do because we see something on Facebook and it's just like, these guys are idiots. How can they, how can they think that? Because they have a different viewpoint than us. And we're all just on that verge. We're, we've got citizens that are angry with government officials. We've got govern, government officials that are frustrated with, with their citizens. You've got employees that are angry with their employers and employers who are angry with their employees. We've got parents of teenagers who, let's just be honest, are always angry, right? Because you've got teenagers. We just don't ever stop being angry. But just consider this, if, if you think that maybe the world hasn't gotten angry or just consider this statistic um, airline travel how many of you've seen uh social media videos youtube videos tiktok videos whatever uh where somebody's being taken off an airplane because they don't know how to act on an airplane anymore um any of y'all and like there, there's a lot of them out there there was one a couple of weeks ago a uh, couple of months ago where the passengers were like you're n-, because if you act up on an airplane they land the plane right and you disrupt everybody else on that plane's travel. And so there was one video where one guy was just acting like a fool. And, and they were like, we're going to land the plane and you'll get arrested when you get out. And the passengers were like, no, 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 no. Don't let him ruin everybody else's trip. And so like they got duct tape and they duct taped him to his seat. And then they and then because he couldn't keep he couldn't move, but he couldn't keep his mouth shut and so they put duct tape across his mouth and like no you're not going to talk you're not going to move you're just going to sit here think about this before 2020 pre-covid the average number of investigated airline incidents with an unruly passenger for a single year was 143 143 so you think that's not too bad right you think about all the planes that take off and land in different cities all across our country every day 143 for the year is not too bad in 2021 there were 5,973 reports to the FFA, or the FAA, sorry, FFA is a different organization, FAA of unruly passengers. 5,973 compared to 143 the year before. Now I'll tell you, that number has come back down some, but it's nowhere near 143 a year. It almost feels like bitterness within humanity is just a, a whole entirely different pandemic that we have to face now. And so today as we continue in this series, No Offense, we're going to talk about what do you do when bitterness takes over. And I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Um, and if you don't have a Bible with you, it'll be on the screen here momentarily. But as you're turning in, into your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, I want to read to you an article that I read, uh, uh, and a quote from an article that I read in Psychology Today. It says this. It says, All bitterness starts out as hurt, and your emotional pain may well relate to viewing whoever or whatever provoked this hurt as having malicious intent. 
Anger and resentment is what we are likely to experience whenever we conclude that another has seriously abused us, left to fester that righteous anger eventually becomes the corrosive ulcer that is bitterness. And so I want to be up front with you today, and I know that talking about bitterness is going to expose for some of you maybe uh, some wounds that you have not given me permission to expose. But it's important because freedom is what Christ died to give us. He, he died so that we wouldn't have to live in bondage. He died so that we might have freedom in Him. And many of us are living in a self-contained prison because of this bitterness and this anger that we, that we harbor. And so as we jump into the book of Hebrews, uh, into this passage of Scripture, I want you to understand the context for, for what's taking place here. The, the book of Christians uh, of Hebrews, the, the letter... Hebrews was written to a group of Christians that, that culture had, had turned its back against. Uh, the, the, this group of Christians, they were frustrated, they were struggling, they, they were thinking this whole following Jesus thing is not working out the way that we thought it was going to work out, and so maybe we ought to just give up. Anybody ever been there? You thought, you know what, this isn't working out the way I thought it was. It's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Why don't, maybe I ought to just throw in the towel. And that's the context for, the, for what the author of Hebrews says, when he says this, he says, make every effort, make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Now, we could just stop right there. We could, we could stop right there and we could do an entire sermon, an entire series just on that sentence. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. I sometimes wonder, have we made any effort to live at peace with anyone? And the writer of Hebrews says, make every effort for everyone. He says, why do we do that? Because this, because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And everybody, you read this part along with me. That no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I want to talk about a couple of the qualities of bitterness and then we're going to kind of unpack how, how do we kill that bitterness? How do we get past that? How do we get set free from that bitterness? And the first thing you need to understand about bitterness is that bitterness is a hidden destroyer. It's hidden. And I think it's interesting that the author of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, he uses this imagery of a root to talk about bitterness. Think about it. Deep beneath the surface where, where nobody can see it. Well, how deep does it go? Well, you don't know. You won't know until you start trying to kill that root or until you start trying to pull that root. I mean, have you ever been in your garden and you, you got weeds that you need to pull up and it's just like, where are all these roots coming from? And you just keep pulling and you're pulling and you're pulling. And it's like, wow, this, these were really deep roots. And that's what the author of Hebrews says. He says it's, it's a deep root. Anyone ever seen the, the live oak trees of, of central Texas? Anybody ever seen them? They, they are massive trees. Uh, they have these massive limbs. These limbs can weigh anywhere between 35 and 50 pounds per foot. So they're, they're massive. They, they, they're able to withstand tornadoes. You, you see these central uh, Texas tornadoes that come through and everything around it is destroyed. And there's just these trees that are standing there unfazed. How do they do that? How's that possible? They're, they're seemingly immovable. Well, I'm not a botanist or a horticulturist or anything like that. But I read that if you take a full... Uh, grown live oak tree and you take all of their roots and you line them up they will span more than a linear mile put that into perspective for us that's a little over 14 football fields long counting both end zones all right that's 
a little over 14 football fields long, is the roots of these trees. It's what's beneath the surface that, uh, of the soul that, if left unchecked, is slowly going to grow. Church, listen to me on this. It's deeper and deeper and deeper. And frankly, it's robbing you of the life that God desires for you. It is robbing us of that life that God desires for us. It's a hidden destroyer. And sometimes these roots of bitterness, you don't even know that you have one until you wake up one day and you just can't stop thinking about that person or that thing, that offense. And let's be honest, some of us have bitterness about some of the most ridiculous things, don't we? We're bitter about some of the dumbest things. Like, I'll, I'll give you an example from, of mine. I get so angry at what I perceive to be poor customer service. That bother anybody else? Like, you go into a place of business and, and it runs all over me. I'll give you an example. This week, this, it, it, this happened this week. I wasn't planning to include this in the sermon, but, but it happened this week. And I was like, oh, okay. And after I did some repenting and uh, thinking about it, I said, okay, I can use this. I was in one of our local pizzeria chains uh, this week. And I walked in. We were going to pick up a pizza for dinner. And I walked in, and in the lobby, there was a sign that said, online order only, extremely short staff, sorry for any inconvenience. And so I read the sign. I'm like, okay, no big deal. Like, everybody's short staffed these days. So I grabbed my phone. Get on, get on their app, order my pizza. They have these little, nice little pizza tracker things that tell you about when your order's going to be ready. And it said 15 minutes. All right, 15 minutes, no big deal. I, I can stand here for 15 minutes. I can pull my phone out. I can scroll Facebook and see all the things that I don't agree with on there. And, 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 and it'll be fine. 15 minutes will pass just fine. So I'm standing there. And I've, there's just a number of other people that come in. And they stand in the lobby and they join me in just standing there and they're all doing the same thing. They're all looking at their phones and there are some people that have stood there for a while and they leave and, and don't say anything. And I, I looked up and I got to noticing like they're stacking all of the pizzas that are coming out of the oven. They're stacking them on a rack. But nobody's coming to the front lobby to like start handing those pizzas out. They're just standing there. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, I know they're short staffed, but like, how hard is it for somebody to come around? And so I started to move where I could see the, the employees in the back because it was an open thing. And there were five employees back there and two of them were working really hard. There was one person who was making pizza and one and, and the other person was taking that pizza and putting it in the oven and getting the pizza out of the oven and putting it in boxes. And then he was throwing them right up on that rack. But there were three employees that were just standing in the back and they weren't doing a thing. Other than talking to each other. That's what they were doing. They just stood there. And I'm watching this. And it's starting. Like I can feel my blood pressure rising. And I'm like. Oh, they're, they're not doing. One guy. Bless his heart. He was in there for 30 minutes. Because 35 minutes later. I'm still standing there. And my pizza hadn't come out yet. And this guy had been standing there. He was in there before I got there. And his pizzas. The whole time had been sitting on this rack. And I thought. Oh, man, like I, that, that's not going to happen to my pizza. I'm going to watch for mine to come out, and I'm going to be like, hey, that's mine. You know, go ahead. And... Finally, a lady comes to the, a manager comes to the front of the lobby, and, and this is what really kind of set me off. She, she comes to the lobby. She starts handing out some of the pizza orders. Not all of them, just some of them. Like, like, and I'm like, why, why not give them all out, right? Like, they're there. Give them, give them out. But she didn't. She just gave some of them out. And she made no contact, eye contact, verbal contact with anybody in the lobby other than to call the name of whoever's order she was handing out. And there's a lobby full of people that are waiting on their pizza. And then she just turns around and goes into the back of the, of the restaurant 
And she was one of the three people that wasn't doing anything. And now I am seething. Like, I'm standing, I'm standing there, and I'm like, oh, come on, come on. Just 45 minutes later, this app said 15 minutes, 45 minutes later, and I'm going, where is my pizza? My head's starting to hurt, my blood pressure's gone up, my head is throbbing now. And I get home, and, I, and I'm mad. And I get home, and I just start thinking about it, like, why am I this mad about this? I don't even really like pizza. Like, why am I this mad about something that I don't really care about? And look, I get that that's minor compared to some of the things that some of you all are living with. Some of you are dealing with a, with a life-paralyzing offense, the, the abuse of a family member, the betrayal of a spouse, the, the deception of a business partner, and, and you just can't seem to shake it. But here's the thing. I heard somebody once say that bitterness was like drinking poison, hoping that it would kill your enemy. But who's the one getting hurt there? It's you. Roots can grow underground unseen, but they will eventually yield a visible fruit. It's a hidden destroyer. But the second thing that you need to know about bitterness is this, that you need to understand it, is that it always poisons others. Bitterness always poisons others. Roots will never just stay in your yard, do they? They always grow into the neighbor's yard. And look at what this verse says. Go back, go back to Hebrews 12. Look what it says. It says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. That no bitter root grows up. To, call, to cause trouble and to do what? To defile many. The Greek word here is, is meyano, which means to stain or to pollute or to contaminate. And look, there's not anybody in this room or listening online to, to this message today that would not acknowledge the idea that in our culture today, we believe and, and we celebrate that all bitterness should be broadcasted. Don't we? I mean, don't we do that? We, on, on every news channel, on every social media platform, my life is so defined by this hurt, so I'm going to invite as many people to join me in my misery as possible. Right? That's the world that we live in. And, and, and let me just say this. Hatred and holiness can't coexist in the same heart. They can't. It, it, it is not possible for hatred and holiness to, to exist in the same heart. And on top of that, we invite people into our bitterness. When we do that, we become the stumbling block to their pursuit of peace. We, when we invite people into our misery, into our bitterness, we, we are the stumbling block for their pursuit of peace. And it happens every single day. You've seen it happen, church. You've seen it happen. One bitter person can destroy a life group. One bitter person can divide a family. Look, thinks the holidays aren't that far away. And some of you are already dreading going to Thanksgiving with your family. Because you've got that one person that always is just, they drive you nuts, right? They're, they're bitter, they're angry about something. And you're just like, I hope, I hope Uncle Joe doesn't show up this year, right? Like that's what we, we're not that far away from it. One bitter person can, can separate a church. It's a hidden destroyer that eventually is going to poison the other people around us. So what do we do about this? We know it's dangerous. We, we've all been affected by bitterness. So how do we kill that root of bitterness? Well, I think the first one's pretty obvious, but I think it's also maybe one of the most important parts of it. Is you expose it. You expose it. You expose the object of your bitterness. Look at what the Apostle Paul writes in the church to, to Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5. He says this. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. But rather, what does he say? He says, expose them, bring it out into the light. Have we actually gone to the place where we are, 
calling out what we are chronically paralyzed by? The, the wound that has affected us? Ha, have we said it? Have we, have we named it? Have we written it down? Have we called it out? Or are we just paralyzed by it? Some of you are you're, you're bitter at God because you lost a loved one too soon. Some of you are bitter at a coworker for getting that promotion that, that you deserved and that you worked for. Some of you are bitter at an older sibling because they seemingly can do no wrong and, and your parents have loved them in your minds more than they love you, right? Some of you are bitter at that woman who's now dating your ex and even though you don't want to be with him, you can't stop hating her. You're in a prison. And Jesus died so that we would be set free from that prison. And, and you can't heal from, from, which you're not, from the things that you're not willing to admit to, right? That's why they say in AA, the first, the first step in AA is to admit that you have a problem. And, and before you ever admit that, there's no healing. You can't move past that until you're willing to admit that there's a problem. Church, we have to admit that in our lives there are things that make us bitter. If we're ever going to move past that, if we're ever going to live free like Christ designed us to live free, we're going to have to admit that, hey, we've got some things that we need to deal with. You're in a prison. So would we just be honest and say, hey, I'm rooted to this bitterness because of what? Because of fill in the blank. Whatever it is for you. And listen, when you start to pray, God, would you just expose the roots, what roots of bitterness I have? You might discover that his revelation of why it might surprise you. So we've got to expose it. And secondly, this is where it gets a little challenging for us, I think. Because this is hard to do. Secondly, we've got to cancel their debts. When, when people offend you and, and they cause you to get angry and bitter... You got to expose it. You got to expose the, 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 the thoughts that you're having about it, the, the feelings that you have about it, and then you got to cancel their debt. And look, I know this is hard. Uh, but we have this picture in, in the scripture where, where before the author of Hebrews takes us to this point where he says, he says make sure to, it, to see that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. But before he says that, what's he say? He says, make sure that no one misses the grace of God. Don't let a bitter root grow up in you so that it causes trouble. But before he says it, make sure that nobody misses the grace of God. Because it isn't until you live under that powerful nature of God's grace that you can do any of these things. That you can forgive anybody. That you can cancel their debt. That you can expose the feelings of hatred and, and bitterness that you might have. That you can do what we're going to talk about here in just a moment. It's not until you live under God's grace and you experience God's grace that you can do any of that. Because I'm telling you, if you think you can walk this, this uh, life on your own, if you think you can, you can live in and, and give people forgiveness without God's grace I'm telling you you're wrong you can't because it, it it harbors in you you can't do it so make sure that nobody misses the grace of God we looked at this last week we talked about it last week a little bit you remember the forgiveness cycle um, that we talked about it starts with this profound reality that I am I am forgiven and because I am forgiven which I don't deserve to be I have this profound sense of gratitude which then makes us more accepting of, of other people. It, makes it, it causes us to, to overlook their offenses to us, perceived or actual offenses, right? And because I have that profound gratitude and I'm more accepting, it makes me overflowing with love. This is why the author of Hebrews says to make sure that nobody misses the grace of God. Whose job is that? Whose responsibility is it to make sure that nobody misses the grace of God? It's ours. That's what he's saying. It's our responsibility that no one misses the grace of God because without the grace of God, we cannot be set free from that root of bitterness. And so we're going to cancel their debt. 
Jesus told a story in Matthew chapter 18. We're going to talk a little, uh, more about this story next week. But he, he tells a story where a, where a servant owes an enormous debt to a master. And he went before the master petrified that he was going to be killed or sent to prison because he, he was just no way he was going to be able to pay this debt back to him. And, and what's the master do? He forgives, he forgives all of the debt. In his grace, he, he, he forgives the debt. And that servant, whose debt has been forgiven, goes out and he sees a fellow servant who owes a fraction of what he owed the master. And he sees this person, and instead of reciprocating that grace that he had just received, he takes the servant who owes him money and throws him into a debtor's prison until it's paid back. And this is what the master says in response to that. He says this, he says, You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers until he had repaid all that he owed. And this is what Jesus says about this. He says, this is how your heavenly father will treat each of you until you forgive your brother or your sister from the heart. We have to choose to give up our claim to revenge and to blame. And I know... It's easy to say, well, you don't know what they did to me. They deserve what they got coming. I have a righteous anger, possibly. But can I just encourage you that if we're going to live our lives based on the life that Jesus lived and the teaching of God's Word, think about this. Jesus turned over the tables just one day. Just one day, He turned over the tables. And every other day of the 1,277 days of his public ministry, he was an instrument of peace, not of righteous anger. He was the one that was befriending the foreigner or the person or the other race. He was the one that was healing the unclean. He was the one that was forgiving the sinner. He was the friend of sinners, as we just heard in song. Church, I'm begging you, you have got to cancel debts of the people that, you, that owe you debts, that, that have offended you, that have caused this root of bitterness to grow in you. You've got to cancel their debts because God canceled yours. What's Romans 5, 8 said that while we were still sinners, God demonstrated His love for us in this, that He gave His life for us. While we were still sinners, We've got to cancel their debt because God has canceled our debt. And if that's not hard enough, I, I know some, for some of you that, that's going to be excruciatingly challenging. But everything about the life of Christ and the teaching of God's holy word is always, so, is always counterintuitive to, to, to human nature and to the direction of culture. So if we're going to look different, then we've got to act different, right? If, if we're going to follow God's word, if we're going to live like Jesus, then we've got to look different than the rest of the culture. Where culture says, go, get, go give them what they deserve. Where culture says, go get your revenge. We have to say, no, 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 no. I'm canceling your debt. I forgive you. And here's the thing about that. In some of your relationships where that's an issue, you're going to have to cancel their debt about 20,000 times today. It's just going to have to be over and over and over and over because you've got to get that root of bitterness. You've got to kill it. So you're going to have to do it 20,000 times today. And then tomorrow, maybe you know 19,000 times. And then the next day, 18,000 times until, until you wake up one day and this wound that was, was a fact, it was, it's, it was there, it's no longer an emotion. It's just I'm, I'm choosing in this moment not to hold it against them any longer. They owe me nothing. And then if you really want to be set free and healed from that, once you've canceled their debt, you've got to do something to 
it's maybe even harder. You've got to speak blessing to your offender. You're going to bless them. And, that, and I know that sounds opposite of everything that culture teaches us, right? That, that if somebody hurts you, you hurt them back. Hurt people hurt people, right? And that's so you, you hurt them back. But, but if we want to be true to Christ, if we want to get rid of this bitterness, if we want to kill this root of bitterness, then we cancel their debt and then we bless them. I tell you, who hear me, who hear me Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless. This is the word we, uh, word we get from eulogy, or, or eulego. This, is, this word is, is where we get the term eulogy. It's blessed to, to, to speak well of. Right? That's what a eulogy is. You're speaking well of the dead. It says, bless those who curse you, and to pray for those who mistreat you. The reason we struggle with, with allowing a, a root of bitterness to grow in our lives is, is I think it's because we compare sin. We compare sin. The word sin, it's an archery term. It, it, it means to miss the mark, to, to miss the bullseye. But what's the bullseye? Well, it's, it's God's holiness, right? Well, I only miss by a millimeter, but, but they miss by a mile, right? So, well, maybe. And, and while the consequences of sin are different for, for those that miss by a millimeter and those who miss by a mile, I mean, if, if your teenager tells you a little white lie, it's, it's not the same uh, consequence as if somebody gets killed, right? It's, it's different consequences. It's, it's there, if, if you, uh, if even things that we might consider big sins, if you, if you steal something, it's not the same consequences if you abuse a child. Right? There's, there's different consequences. But know this, that both all require the blood of Jesus. They all require the blood of Jesus. Both require the cross. Both require the grace of God that we do not deserve. And so because of that we bless, we don't withhold. When you realize what you have been given, how dare we withhold that from other people? When we realize what God has done in our lives, how He has blessed us, how He has canceled our debt, the, the amount that He has forgiven us. And look, you, and, and I'll just be honest with you, most of us in this room, we say we're not that bad people. We're, we're, not, we're not bad people. We're, we're pretty good people. But look, all sin separates us from God. All sin. Paul was very clear. The wages of all sin is death. What we, what we have earned, what we deserve is death. Whether we're good people or bad people, by whoever's standards, what we deserve is death. And so when we realize how much God has forgiven us and how much He has canceled us, how dare we withhold that from other people? How dare we not do the same for them that we forgive? Look, I'm not gonna, I, don't, I don't want that root uh, of bitterness to grow into my life. And so instead, what I want to do is I, I want to do what Jesus talked about in John chapter 15. I want to abide and be grafted into the vine, into the true vine. And so instead of hate, what, what's going to flow through me is, is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. And as a result, so many people's lives are different because you are the personification of grace. And church, let me just ask ask you, this is not just about you, right? Does God want you to be free from bitterness? 100%. Sure He does. Does God want to leverage grace through you to impact others? Oh man, are you kidding me? But you have to do the unthinkable. You have to do the thing that's hard. you got to call it out. you got to muster the courage to say, I'm going to cancel your debt and I'm not going to hold this against you. And then we're going to have to do what Jesus taught us to do. We're going to have to speak a blessing to those who have hurt us. To those who have offended us. 
The Apostle Paul later goes on to say this in Ephesians chapter 4. We've, we've talked about this verse already in this series. He says this, he says, get rid of all bitterness. All bitterness, get rid of it. Get rid of all rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every other form of malice. Be kind, church, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Look, you don't have to have the courage to muster up forgiveness because honestly, you can't create it. You're simply passing along what has already been given to you. You're just doing for others what Jesus has already done for you. So don't let any root of bitterness grow and see to it that no one, that no one misses the grace of God. Let me pray for us.